Good morning. Our first reading today is from Amos chapter 7, verses 10 to 17. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words, for this is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will surely go into exile, away from their native land. Then Amaziah said to Amos, Get out, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there and do your prophesying there. Don't prophesy any more at Bethel, because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. Amos answered Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd, and I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now then, hear the word of the Lord. You say, Do not prophesy against Israel and stop preaching against the descendants of Isaac. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. Your wife will become a prostitute in the city, and your sons and daughters will fall by the sword. Your land will be measured and divided up, and you yourself will die in a pagan country, and Israel will surely go into exile away from their native land. And our second reading is from Mark chapter 6, verses 1 to 6. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour except in his his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few people who were ill and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. You know, friends, I think we've noticed a pattern in history, and that is that three seems to work out really well. Think about it. Three stooges, three amigos, three musketeers, three little pigs. Just seems to work, right? Uh, And the people who need it to work, people who are trying to make a dollar in marketing, IBM, KFC, the ABC, we know these threes seem to work. And uh, I mean, even in games, rock, paper, scissors wouldn't work if you took one of those elements out. You need the three for it to function. Um, and God knows these things. Even in the sacred realm, there's the Trinity. There are the three points of an Anglican minister's sermon. <laughs> not today, there's not. But anyway, uh, normally, uh, there's the geometrical strength of a triangle. So three seems to work and uh, just as well because as we've been 
listening and this month this season of advent as we continue to meditate on ezekiel 34 and uh these words of woe and words of promise that come out we've observed the pattern of three the woe the complaint uh, has shown us that god sees shepherding or pastoral ministry should have the prophetic the priestly and the kingly uh, you can see some of the words up there that are that, that relates to these areas of prophet priest and king and God's complained, God's pronounced a woe upon the shepherds or the pastors, same word, uh, of Israel and said, you haven't fed my sheep and protected them, you haven't taught them my word and you haven't cared or sought after them, you haven't been leading them and gathering them. And so in his woe pronouncement, we understand the threefold order that God has, but we also, as we read on in Ezekiel, as we heard, hear this amazing promise of God. The I myself promise that he says this is a threefold order of ministry and where the human shepherds have been lacking, I myself will serve. I myself will shepherd, will pastor my people and this is why we celebrate Christmas because Jesus is God's I myself. Jesus is where God steps forward into human history and says here I am to, to prophet, priest, king, pastor, my people. And today, as we spend some time in Amos and Mark chapter 6, we're going to think just a little bit more intently on that prophetic realm of Jesus' ministry, that is of feeding his sheep and protecting his sheep, of announcing and sharing the word of God that we might be fed and whole, nourished in the knowledge of God and protected from those things that aren't of God. Now, what I love about this scene in Amos chapter 7, verses 10 to 17, is that we actually get to see prophet, priest, and king all together in one scene. They're all there together. And so we have a priest called Amaziah. We have a king called Jeroboam. He's Jeroboam II, not to be confused with the guy who's earlier on, uh, and a prophet called Amos. Now, we remind ourselves, what are these guys meant to be doing? Well, hopefully Amaziah the priest is caring and seeking, and Jeroboam II is meant to be leading and gathering, and Amos is meant to be feeding and protecting or announcing God's word to God's people and praying with and for God's people that their hearts might be aligned with God and that they might be sealed in the knowledge of what he has revealed by his word. So what do they do? We know what their role is. What do they actually do? Well, we meet this guy, Amaziah, the priest whose job is to care and seek. And I've got to tell you, I see a guy who is definitely caring. He's invested. Read the passage. It says, Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words. You hear the heart of one who is definitely invested, definitely concerned, and definitely caring. He doesn't like that there are words being spoken against his king. And look at the language he uses, the land, which is very much part of Israel's identity. It cannot bear the weight of what Amos the prophet is announcing. He's somewhat heartbroken at this, and he addresses his king. He sends to his king to tell him about it. This is a guy who does care. Now, here's the interesting thing. There's a central character in this little episode, and I would contend it's Jeroboam. 
because we've got Amaziah who is speaking to the king and we've got Amos who's speaking about the king. But here's the thing that's so conspicuous here. Our lead character doesn't do anything. We don't hear his voice. We don't see any action despite the fact that he's right at the middle with some pretty significant things being said about him and one of his uh, colleagues saying, hey, there's bad things being said about you. I'm really concerned about this. And what do we hear from Jeroboam? Well, we hear nothing. And we can't say too much about hearing nothing, but it's certainly conspicuous in the story. Conspicuous when a king's role is to lead and to gather, at least in this episode, we're not going to see him do those things. So we've got Amaziah, who's caring and I would say controlling. He's trying to own this narrative here and direct things the way he thinks are best. We've got Jeroboam not doing a whole lot. Well, as we see here, not doing anything. And then we've got this guy, Amos. Amos, who introduces himself and says, look, I'm a shepherd. I dabble in sycamore fig trees. I'm not a professional prophet. And I don't come from a family of prophets. My dad's not a prophet. But I need you to know God's given me a word to say, and so here I am to deliver it. He's a man who's doing a thus says the Lord. He's speaking what God has given him to speak, and the words that God has given him to speak are certainly hard words. And I guess Amaziah is right to say, how could we bear this? This is hard stuff. Because Amos is speaking about the king being killed and Israel going into exile and being under God's judgment. So Amaziah, he cares and tries to control it. Jeroboam, we don't get anything. And we have Amos, the, um, the shepherd who dabbles in trees, now speaking what God has given him to say. It's probably about time that we rate their performance. Well, as I say of Amaziah, you certainly care, Amaziah, but I think your care is misplaced. You're caring about the concerns of your heart, but are you conscious of the concerns of God's heart? Jeroboam, based on what we can see here, we're wondering when you're going to lead or gather. Amos, thank you. Thank you, Amos, you're doing what God's called you to do. It might not be something on your CV or your resume, but God called you to announce a word and you're faithful and you're doing it. And it's a hard word and we don't want to be in your shoes. But look, here you are, you're doing it. And thank you, Amos, that in the passage just before this one, you spent some time praying and talking to God about what you needed to do. So you pray, you feed, you're trying to protect God's people. You're trying to feed God's people, Amos. Good job. So what's the result of this performance? Here's the great tragedy, brothers and sisters. God has created this, this shepherding ministry where prophet, priest, and king are meant to work together. But we have a scenario here where we see them all, where the prophet does what he's meant to do. He announces God's word, hey, we're under judgment. And the priest says, don't want to hear it. Really conflicts with the things I care about and care deeply about. Shush, go away, you seer. And the king, at least in this episode, doesn't do anything about it. Fast forward the story, and if you know a little bit of biblical history, this is Israel, the northern kingdom. They will go into, into exile, and everything Amos has said will happen, and it's a horrible story. Could you imagine how different this could have been? Can I paint you a different scenario? 
What if it worked the way God planned the threefold shepherding ministry to work? The prophet announces, King uh, Jeroboam, the sword is coming against you and these people who you lead will be sent into exile. The priest Amaziah hears uh, Amos announce this and he's a seeker and a carer and he says, this is what's on the Lord's heart and the people are in danger. King, people, we need to be gathered back to the Lord for he's saying our ways are wrong and his condemnation is coming upon us. Come on, there's still time. Let's offer some sacrifice. Let's come together. Let's turn our faces back to the Lord. He does his priestly role of caring to see people united back to their God. And the king, central figure, why is he central figure? Because he's the authority. He's the guy who's meant to get stuff done. He's meant to lead and gather. The king hears that and says, right, firstly, I'm sorry. I've done wrong and I've led wrong. Now, remember, this is Israel. This is not a democracy. This is a theocracy. And so he says, right, all of those poles to the false gods, cut them down. They're gone. The high places and things where people are sacrificing the false gods, they are gone. Remove them. Folks, we as God's people, God's nation need to be doing God things and not the things of foreign gods. That is all over. New laws. We are going God's way. The king steps in and he leads and he gathers God's people for their good to live as God's people under God's rule. Wouldn't that be amazing? Just like happened in a pagan city called Nineveh when Jonah the prophet turned up and said, you guys are cooked. The Lord is mad with you and in a short while you'll be destroyed. And what did they do? Well, they didn't even have a priest, but their king said, oh no, maybe if we repent. And so he commanded the whole city, sackcloth and ashes, everybody, let's repent and turn back to the Lord. And the Lord in his gracious nature spared them. Wouldn't it be beautiful if these three shepherds could have worked together, worked well together, and where does it start? With heeding the message of the prophet. The prophet takes the lead. If the priest and the king had heeded the prophet, it could have been such a different idea. And this leads me to the big idea for this morning. The big idea is this. If the shepherd's voice is lost, God cannot be known. You cannot know God without the shepherd's voice. You see, God is a secret God. It's a little bit like you. You've got to introduce yourself. Our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a perfect relationship does a wonderful thing because he's secret. The Bible tells us in black and white, no one has ever known God except the God who is at his side, Jesus. So God speaks that we might know him. And if you don't hear the shepherd's voice, you can't know God. You know the difference between faith and idolatry? Sometimes we think idolatry is when I craft up a God out of clay or wood or stone or whatever, but you don't even need to use your hands. Your idolatry might be when your concept or idea of God is the concept of your mind and how you want God to be. And how surely God thinks the way I think about this. Surely his cares and concerns are the same as mine. That's idolatry. Faith is about stepping outside of your mind. Faith is when I say, ah, the Lord has spoken and he says, I am like this, I do that, I award righteousness like that, and I say, I believe you, and I follow. 
not the construct of my mind, but my response to the revelation you have given through your prophets, through your shepherds, and I believe. That's the difference between faith and idolatry. Friends, let me ram it home for you. If the shepherd's voice is lost, you cannot know God, for there was nothing until the shepherd's voice was heard. God spoke and it was. There is no creation without his word. There is no redemption without his word, for he spoke words of promise. There is no hope without his word, for he spoke words of promise and fulfilled those words of promise. And our certain hope is based on God who speaks and fulfills his word. And so God is right to challenge in Ezekiel 34 and say, Woe to you, shepherds who do not feed and protect my people. Woe to you prophets who do not speak what I have given you to speak. And God is wonderful and saving and amazing at Christmas because he is the God of the I myself promise. He is the one that says, when the shepherd's voice fails, I will step in and I will speak and I will show you who I am and I will reveal myself, I myself. And this is why we celebrate the Lord Jesus, particularly at Christmas, because this is God doing the I myself stuff where Jesus steps in and Jesus speaks. Why is Jesus the perfect prophet? Well, consider how the, how the evangelist John introduces us to Jesus in his gospel. He calls him the word. Jesus is the perfect prophet because he is the embodiment of God's word. Jesus is the perfect prophet because he never deviates from God's word. And I got to tell you, friends, it's worth remembering he endorses every single one of God's words. He's the prophet that doesn't deviate. He's not the prophet of the red letters in certain Bibles. There are parts of the Old Testament that are hard to understand sometimes or even challenging. Jesus loves those. Jesus wrote those. Jesus amends those. Sometimes people say, I don't really like Paul. Well, then you don't really like Jesus because Paul only speaks the words of Jesus. Oh, I don't like that area of the Bible. Then you don't like that area of Jesus because Jesus is the word of God. He is the perfect prophet who speaks God's word perfectly and endorses God's word and loves God's word. And so as Mark introduces us to Jesus... He wants us to see Jesus as a prophet, priest, and king. But the amazing thing is, each time, as Mark goes through his gospel, he keeps introducing us to Jesus as prophet. So from the beginning, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And we looked at this passage last week, and we saw that this prophet who's proclaiming, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The priest in Jesus is led by the prophet in Jesus. And so he gathers Andrew and Simon and says, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. We're going to care and we're going to seek people for this kingdom that the prophet side of me is announcing. And then he meets uh, James and John and the king side of him is reorganizing their lives with him and leading them and gathering as a response to what the prophet has said. Do you see this from Amos and in the life of Jesus? Prophet, priest, king, taking lead from the prophets, caring and seeking as a priest and leading and gathering as a king under the direction of what God's word is. And so he, uh, he does this, he comes and next up Jesus says, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach. That's why I've come. Why didn't Jesus just come to heal the sick and comfort people? He does those things, but he says, 
I've come firstly to preach my healing and my leading, my kingly and my priestly ministries are a result of my prophetic ministry. I've come to feed in God's feed and protect God's people with my words, my words of announcement and my words of prayer. And so as we come to today's passage, it opens as many passages do in Mark's gospel. When the Sabbath came, here is Jesus in the synagogue teaching. He's teaching. He's teaching. He wants people to hear and he wants people to know. Our prophet, priest, king does all of these roles, but everything is driven by the word. And that is why this morning we must remember, if the shepherd's voice is not heard, God cannot be known. So our faithful shepherd, our faithful prophet Jesus steps forward in Mark 6 in an episode that I've got to say every time I've read it, my heart sinks a little bit. It seems so disappointing. If you ever read Mark, you see he's doing great things and things are going well. You see a paralyzed man who is healed in a house that is overflowing with people. You see Jesus on a boat teaching because everyone was coming and listening. And then Jesus comes to his hometown and rather than a ticker tape parade and everyone going, yes, local boy made good, he's rejected. If you come to hometown Jesus and the people are deaf to Jesus' words, As Jesus teaches, they ask him three exceedingly good questions. These are good questions to ask when someone is doing prophetic ministry. They ask, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom? And what are the remarkable miracles he's performing? These are good questions to ask. Okay, a man is speaking some words. Where does this authority come from? Good question. Does it come from him? Or does it come from the Lord? You should ask those questions of me this morning. Is this my opinion? Or can you trace this from the scriptures? Where does he get this teaching? Good question to ask of Jesus. What is the wisdom that has been given to him? Does he demonstrate wisdom that is submissive to God? Does, do his words show a reverence for God and a fear of the Lord and a pointing to God or are they about him? Do the words make sense? Are these things that will help God's people to live as God's people? Because if they don't, then they're foolish and not wise. Do they acknowledge God and point to God or do they point to himself? If they point to himself, they're foolish. If they point to God, they're wise. And what are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Good question to ask in their time. You see, the miracles that Jesus does, similar to the miracles we saw Moses do and the miracles we'll see the apostles do in the book of Acts, are wonderful confirming signs that they speak truth. Immediate example I can give you from Mark's gospel, Jesus says to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has made you well. And everyone's thinking, really, mate, how can you say that? Jesus said, well, let me help you believe that you might know that these words I'm speaking are true words, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I tell you, take your mat, get up and walk. What do miracles do? They confirm the authenticity of the message. These are good questions these people were asking. Where did he get these things? What's the wisdom? And what are these miracles? What are they about? They're about confirmation. Good questions to ask. 
terrible assertions to make because they then go on to assert, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And they took offense at him. Now, this rings a bell for me. Isn't he the carpenter's son? Kind of like in Amos's day. Oh, wait, now that's just the guy who sells fig trees. That's just the shepherd guy. Who's he to be telling us God stuff? So again, they look at his vocation. He's, he's just the carpenter. He's just the sycamore fig tree guy. He's just the shepherd. They look at the man. Isn't this Mary's son? Wait a minute. He's not a prophet, nor the son of a prophet. He's not a pro. They reject his message. And they go on and they take offense at him. You know what? At the end of the day, similar to Amaziah, look, we just don't like it. We don't like what you have to say. We care about some other stuff. We're offended, so we reject it. Terrible assertions for them to have made to the faithful prophet who has come to them to speak truth. And so what happens? Well, Mark goes on to say, so he could only do a few miracles there. He could only do a few miracles. Why could he only do a few miracles? Because of their lack of faith. See, you sometimes hear that he could only do a few miracles and you go, oh, was Jesus having an off day? Why couldn't he, you know, make the thing happen? Well, because miracles work in two ways in Mark's gospel. They not only confirm the authenticity of the message, they also confirm the faith of the one receiving it. Again, think of the paralyzed man. Jesus confirms his message uh, with his power to heal, but he also confirms that the man, son, your faith has made you well. And the miracle confirms both his mouth and the ears of the paralyzed man. And here we have nothing defective in the message. But sadly, something's gone terribly wrong with the hearing. And this prophet has no honor in his own town because the people don't hear. And so we remind ourselves this morning, brothers and sisters, as we reflect on the time of Amos, Amaziah, and uh, Jeroboam, as we reflect on the time of Jesus in his own town that when the shepherd's voice is lost god cannot be known when amaziah and joah and jeroboam lost the voice of the shepherd amos they would be killed and they would be exiled they would be cast out of god's kingdom and they would not know god if you do not hear the voice of the shepherd you cannot know god prophet, priest, king, God's order for three, and it starts with the prophet. Now, here's one of the wonderful things that God has done. He hasn't made us all the same. He's made us different, and praise God for that, right? Praise God that we're not all the same. It'd be a long morning if we all had to preach this morning. So thank you, God, for making people with really kind, priestly hearts that care and seek. But carers and seekers, please remember, we start with God's word. We sit under his prophetic word. Because sometimes, just like Amaziah, we might care a great deal and our care is misdirected. We care more about the, peop- the person in front of us and maybe the, the pain that they might have or, or their offense or what have, uh, have you than the heart of God who is speaking out of love and care. And so over, over years, as we think about things like care and as we think about things like evangelism, every generation has had its different, oh, don't talk about that's, right? Once upon a time, people said, well, don't talk about hell. 
It's now many Christians don't even believe that hell exists. Hell exists, it's real. And another generation said, well, please, just don't talk about Jesus as the only way to salvation. That really miffs people. Here's the problem. Don't talk about hell, but the Bible talks about hell. Don't talk about Jesus as the only way to salvation, but my shepherd's talking about himself as the only way to salvation. Well, at least don't talk about money. But my shepherd talks about money. Well, at least in this generation, please don't talk about sexual ethics. But my shepherd talks about sexual ethics. And so here's the question where idolatry and faith challenge one another. Do I believe that my care for others exceeds God's care for others? Did God hate Israel when he gave Amos such a hard message to deliver? No, not at all. When God has words that will hit us and cut us to the heart and call for repentance and change of life, is that because God despises us or despises our friends? When Jesus said to a rich young man, sell everything you own and then come follow me, was he driving him away or trying to help that man change his life? Do you believe that God's words are good words? Jesus does. Oh, I love Jesus, the good shepherd who is a good prophet and says amen to all of God's words and wants everyone to hear all of God's words that men, women and children might hear his call to repent, trust and believe and be credited righteousness and eternal life. And so I thank you. If you're someone who really feels a heart for care and evangelism, please don't do what the liberals do and toss out the word of God. Use the word of God. The best care you can give is with the word of God. The best announcement of good news you can give is with the word of God. You know, praise be to God, some of us are wired in a kingly way. We love to lead and to gather and make things work together. Again, the king sits under the prophet. Some terrible things happen when that's not the case. And leaders of life groups or churches or Christian groups become tyrants. But the word of God doesn't permit tyrannical rule. Here's the other thing that can happen in our context. Sometimes you're charged with the responsibility to to lead and there's an awkward conversation. And we even encourage one another. Our leader can't ever command us, can't they? Check the word of God. Our leader can't ever say no. Our leader can't ever call out and say, that behavior is not all right. Or yes, you've been heard, thank you for that. But it seems best that we go another direction right now. So sometimes when in kingly ministry without the word of God, we either become tyrants or tiptoers. Jeroboam seems to be a little tiptoe at this point. He's just absent. Tyrannical rule's not okay. Tiptoeing's not okay. God's called you to lead and gather his people. He's called you to take responsibility in leading and gathering his people. Not a tyrant, not a tiptoer, but kingly ministry under the word of God. Praise be to God for Jesus the perfect shepherd who in his kingly ministry and his priestly ministry takes his lead from his prophetic ministry. Before I finish up this morning, I want to show you something in just a moment. Uh, If you're not persuaded thus far, I hope that uh, you might continue to meditate on the things I've shared. But some research was done in 2009 by the Centre for Biblical Engagement. And they found that when we read our Bibles frequently, 
things change. Have a look at some of these numbers. It's a little overwhelming, I know. What this chart represents is, uh, along the top, some of the challenging and risky habits and behaviours that can happen amongst God's people. And then down the side, we see some of the different stimuli that uh, we might participate in that might bring about a change. Feel free to take a photo and things like that, and that you can go to the website and read the whole report if you'd like to. The thing I want to point you to is, look at this from the bottom. If you read and listen to the Bible four plus days a week, and great news, this counts as one, this counts as one. The stats say that this is one of the best ways to continue to orientate yourself to God and walk well with him. I know there's a lot to take in there, but that our second last line is particularly sobering. To hear the shepherd's voice makes a difference. Brothers and sisters, my message this morning is this. If the shepherd's voice is lost, God cannot be known. Conversely, when the shepherd's voice is heard and obeyed, God is glorified and lives are changed. May we be ever listening and ever heeding and ever trusting and ever obeying. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus, the perfect shepherd, the prophet, priest and king. We thank you that his kingly and priestly ministry takes its lead from his prophetic that all that he does is honest and true to your word, that he trusts you as his heavenly father, that he walks in your ways and announces your ways. Heavenly Father, help us to trust your word in all seasons. Give us ears, Holy Spirit. Give us hearts, Holy Spirit, that we would hear God's word that we would hear your word, take it to heart, be cut to the heart. Lord God, I pray for anyone this morning who is cut now, who is stung. Thank you, Lord, for seeing them. I pray that you might bring about a repentance and a healing. And Lord God, for those who are encouraged, thank you, Lord, for encouraging them. May you keep them humble in that encouragement and walking with you. Father God, we long to hear our shepherd's voice at all times and to walk well with him, for he is good and he loves us. In his name we pray.